all the way from, all the way from Australia. Pastor Jack Haynes, who is an incredible friend, who is an amazing man of God, travels the world. God has used him all over the world. Could you give him a Nairobi Lighthouse Church? Welcome today. Thank you so much. Wow. Miss Carol sends you her love. She loves you so much. And uh, I woke up at 2.30 this morning realizing that she was just getting ready to preach our Sunday morning service there in Sydney. But she sends you her love as well. Well, in a few minutes, we're going to be collecting, and I know you've been preparing. We're going to be collecting our Faith Promise card. And I was reminded this April, this coming April, will be 19 years ago that I had the honor of my life to stand out in that soccer field, Pastor, and we introduced the Faith Promise card to Nairobi Lighthouse Church this April 19 years ago. First time, Pastor Don stood and he shared the vision and then we simply handed out a Faith Promise card to all the beautiful, precious people that were there in that soccer field. And I never forget, and I've told this story a hundred times, that that day, a stack, first time, first time at the, at the bat, first time to go, a stack of Faith Promise cards stacked up over six feet tall was gathered, and I've never seen a sight like that. It was just the most amazing thing. And I wonder what the Lord will do today. How, how do we become a missions church? How do we become a missions church? And, and I'm asked this question often, and the real question is not how do we become a missions church, because, because the answer is, is this, it's how do we get a missions heart? That's the, real, that's the real question, isn't it? It's not how do we become a missions family or how do we become a missions connect group or how do we become a missions church? It's how do I get a missions heart? But the Lord Jesus teaches us the answer and he shows us the key to our heart. And in Matthew Chapter 6, and in verse 21, Jesus reveals the secret of the heart. And Jesus says this, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can buy your heart. Where your money is, where your time, your talent, where that is, there your heart will be also. Your heart does not direct your money. Jesus teaches us that your money, your treasure, directs your heart. Your heart is for sale. And there's a lot of bidding going on for your heart right now. And you bid with your treasure. Earlier this year, 
Carol and I had the amazing privilege of being in London, England, and we went to Westminster Abbey. And I had never been to Westminster Abbey. I'd been through London a few times. But there we were in this amazing cathedral. And all of a sudden, I stopped in my tracks. As I looked down at my feet, and I was standing at the grave of Dr. David Livingston, that great Scottish missionary to Africa who died in 1873 in, in Zambia. And there was his, his coffin, his, the slab of his grave, Dr. David Livingston. And I, and I just got emotional. And we know that Dr. David Livingston died in, in, I believe it was Zambia, and he died on his knees in prayer. And we know that when he died, his attendants buried his heart under a tree, and they wrapped his body up, and for nine months, they carried his body to the coast. Nine months it took them to get his body to a ship, to a boat, that would take his body back to England. And there they laid his body, and Queen Victoria herself laid a reef over his. They knew it was his body. They could recognize the forensics because he had a broken arm that had never repaired from being attacked by a lion. And there they buried his body. But that's not where they buried his heart. And Dr. Livingston said these words, God, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me, and sever any tie in my heart except the tie that binds my heart to yours. And there, under a tree in Africa, they buried his heart. Where would they bury your heart? Where would they bury my heart, at the mall, at the plaza, at the entertainment quarter, because where your treasure is, that's what owns your heart and my heart. The question is not how do we become a missions church. The question is how do I get a missions heart? And the answer is by directing your treasure, where your treasure is, you know, many years ago when Carol and I had come to Australia, we, 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 did, we rented and rented and we moved our family six or seven times. We sold our home in America. We had a nice home in the United States, but we sold it to become obedient to the heavenly vision. And we landed in Australia deciding we, we give up our right to ever own a home again. And we meant it. We were very sincere. But honestly, after moving about seven times, you know, in six years with three kids, all that moving was driving me crazy. And I just said, Lord, if there was any way you could kind of put us in a place and we didn't have to move so much, we would be so grateful. And so we went to the bank, but we found out that to apply for the loan for a home, we needed $10,000 cash. Now, this was a long time ago. It's a lot more than that now. But so they said, you'll need $10,000 cash. I looked at Carol. She looked at me. We did not have $10 cash. We didn't have $10. And we needed $10,000. And so 
we decided we would do something because we felt maybe the favor of the Lord is on us. So we did something I'd never done before in my life. I was in my 40s, and I had never opened a savings account because we've only ever just lived to give. And now we've been blessed all our life. God's goodness is on us. But I just never had a savings account in my whole life because we'd be blessed and give. And anyway, so we started a little savings account, gave us a little book. And every week, we'd put a little number in that book. We'd go put a little more in, a little number in that book. And over several weeks and months, well, I couldn't believe it, but that little book began to grow with money. It was like a miracle. I could not believe it. And I'd open it up to say, no kidding, really? Look, Carol, look at this. We've got this. I never knew you could do that until I was in my 40s. And then one night, we had Pastor Wayne Myers, the meanest missionary that has ever walked on this planet. Ruthless, heartless, mean missionary. 50 years he served as a missionary in Mexico, and he was preaching in our missions conference. And our missions conference was upstairs above the bank that had all of my money in it. Literally, (laughs) down there was the money. And he's preaching nations, and he's preaching eternal things that last forever, and he's preaching the poor. And I'm so miserable. I'm standing over this pile of money. And I just got more and more miserable until finally, when he got through, you know what? I've had him come back since, but I go buy everything I want before he comes. (laughs) No, he got me once. And you know, I took the microphone that night, gutted and broken. And I looked at my wife, my hero wife, my incredible selfless wife. And I looked her right in the eye publicly, God forgive me, and I said, baby, forgive me for what I'm about to do. And I said, I want you to go down tomorrow, darling, and I want you to take everything, everything out except $1 because I don't want to redo a whole account again. Keep $1. And I want you to go get that money and let's bring it and let's give it to missions. Plus, let's make the biggest faith promise we ever made. Now, she didn't slap me upside the head and look, give me the, the look, you know. No, that woman of God walked down that bank the next morning, walked in there, pulled out everything except $1. And from the teller to the door, the Holy Spirit spoke to her. And he said, Carol, I'll buy you a house with that dollar. And we gave that money, and we gave the biggest faith promise we've ever given, and I don't have the time to tell you today, but we live today in a beautiful, paid-for house, and it cost us $1. You can buy your heart. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife, hmm, that girl, his wife, hmm, that fine lady, his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. And the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. That 
is how she dresses herself. That is her wedding gown. She has made herself fine. She has made herself ready. She's ready. She has arrayed herself. She has dressed herself. She has put it on. She has she has clothed herself clean and bright and the glorious clothing and that fine linen that she is wearing is the righteous acts of the saints. Oh my goodness. She is dressed to please him. She is dressed to impress him. He himself has provided her gown, but she has put it on. And we read in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 and 27, Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring out the best of her dressing her in dazzling white silk radiant with holiness. She has arrayed herself in righteous acts with dazzling white silk and radiant holiness. Now, the righteous acts don't make her the bride. They prepare her for the wedding. No, 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 no. She, you see, these righteous acts, no, they don't make her the bride. There is only one righteous act that makes her the bride, and that is the righteous act of the Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross, the righteous for the unrighteous, the godly for the ungodly, the holy for the unholy. That righteous act with blood that was shed for the cleansing of sin and rising from the dead. No, that's the righteous act that makes her the bride. We read in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Now watch this. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done. Salvation is not a reward for your righteous acts. No, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, and nobody can boast about it. So here's the deal. He makes her the bride, and she makes herself ready for the wedding. He has chosen her for himself, but she adorns herself for him. She wants to please him. She wants to clothe herself in garments that show him her form and her beauty. And he says, I like it. I like. That's beautiful. You're beautiful. We read in Colossians chapter 3. In verse 12, see, see, she adorns herself in righteous acts for him, for her king and his cause. And these, this beautiful clothing that she adorns herself with, 
are the righteous acts of the saints. And we read in Colossians 3 in verse 12, you are the people of God. He loved you. He chose you for his own. So then, you must clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. He chose you for himself, but you must clothe yourself for him who chose you. And these clothes that she wears, they're, they're with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness. She's arrayed herself for the wedding in fine linen and dazzling silk. And these are the righteous acts of the saints. Colossians 3.14 says, and regardless of what else you put on, wear love. Regardless of anything and everything else you wear, wear love. It continues to say this, love is your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. She's not wearing Fendi or Gucci or Versace. She's wearing agape. She's looking good. She's not dressed to kill. She's not dressed to thrill. She's dressed to fill and fulfill the heart of her husband. She's dressed to please him. And this is how we dress, not for ourselves, but for the bridegroom. We clothe ourselves in love and kindness, and compassion, and righteous acts. And this is how we prepare ourselves for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Pleasing him, this is her heart. Pleasing him, she wants to please him, so she dresses for him. Pleasing, and not only is this her heart, it's her first priority. She doesn't get up in the morning and say, what do I want to wear? She gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to dress. What do you, I'm going to dress in what you like. You've told me that you like that on me. You've looked at me and said, man, you look good in that. I'm wearing that. Pleasing him is her first priority. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, it says that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, fully pleasing him. Lord, that's my goal today. That's my life today, to fully be pleasing to you. And again, these good works do not make me the bride, but I dress myself in them for the wedding and for my master and for my husband. And there's nothing, nothing I can add to my right standing with God. My right standing with God is way above my pay grade. It's way above anything I could ever do. It's way above any sacrifice I could. How could I ever give myself right standing with God? 
That's just so beyond me. That is so on him. That is so him. I wake up every day with right standing with God, and it has nothing to do with what I've done or where I've been. It's just this amazing grace, and it's such a sweet sound, and it saved a wretch like me. I can add nothing. I can add nothing to my right standing with God, but I can adorn myself with righteous acts that please him and delight him and honor him and glorify him because I love him. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10 and 11. Now may he supply and multiply the seed you have sown. Can I tell you, I saw God do that with one dollar after giving everything I had to missions. Now may he supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. In other words, your righteous acts. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Man, our liberality produces acts of righteousness that cause others to glorify God. Others up in Liberia are glorifying God through some acts of liberality, liberality from a little old bunch of Aussies down there in Sydney. This is such an, a, what, what can she do for him? Lord, what can I do for you? I don't know how we got it all wrong in America and the West. Lord, what can you do for me? Can you do more for me? Ah, that's great for me. Well, somewhere in here, somebody's got to say, Lord, what can I do for you? Because you've been good to me. How can I live to please you? How can I work to please you? How can I give to please you? How can I clothe myself with these righteous actions? Now, you've already clothed me with righteousness. But I can clothe myself with righteous acts. To praise him, to love him, to thank him, to receive him, and we do these things for him. And this is not about me. This is not about myself. This is for him. This is the bride getting ready for him. This is her preparing herself, keeping herself, keeping herself reserved only for and to him, unto him. He's already supplied. What do I need? He's already supplied all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, Philippians 4.19 says. The message says you can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. Is, is, can I get a witness that God will take care of everything you need? And the message Bible says his generosity exceeding even your own as he pours all of that on us through Jesus Christ. He has provided for us. He has equipped us. He's given us the same standing with God as his own beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, man. L listen, Hebrews 13, 21. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that pleases him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. And so this is what she adorns herself with. Every good thing that pleases him. 
not for her salvation, but from her salvation. We do not do these for right standing with God. We do this from our right standing with God. No one has to manipulate me, twist my arm, tell me some emotional story. No, I love him. I love him by myself. I love him without anyone else, you know, trying to make me do the right thing. No, I want to do the right thing. Oh, brother, you need to give. I want to give. You don't have to crank me up. You don't have to motivate me. You don't have to get me emotional. I am ready right now, Jesus, that my life would be pleasing to you, and then my life has not been in vain. She wants to please him, to love him, to please him, to love him. Oh, Lord, let me have this walk that is worthy of you, fully pleasing you in all things. Oh, Lord, let me increase in the knowledge of God. Let me be fruitful in every good work. And so normally what I would ask you to do today is to fill out your faith promise card. But instead, I'm going to ask you to take the faith promise card and clothe yourself in righteous acts. I'm going to ask you to put it on as your garment of love, as your garment of compassion and care for people who may never be able to even say thank you, Nairobi Lighthouse Church. I'm going to ask you to use this today. As you've been all month, pastors preached, others have preached, and I'm just here to say amen to everything they've preached. And I'm going to ask you to use the faith promise card today to clothe yourself with righteous acts. Amen.